You're listening to episode 60, Easing Purpose Guilt. Welcome to Midlife Confidence, where it's all about women living a fulfilling life as they move beyond 40, 50, and 60. I'm Vonna Davis, a certified life coach with 20 years of my own midlife journey behind me. And just like you, my best years still ahead. I'll take you inside real life coaching with a guest client so you can see for yourself how a beautiful life starts with a beautiful mind. Have you ever felt guilty because you wanted to do something with your life that didn't fit what you think is an approved, worthy purpose, like building schools in South America or feeding refugees? Well, if so, you're suffering from purpose guilt. So listen in, let's release that shame and let you get on with creating a meaningful life by doing what you really want to do. But first, I have to stop and celebrate for a moment. I'm taking my own advice. I teach my clients to notice and celebrate their wins along the way. So I'm saying hallelujah. This is episode number 60, and this is my 60th year. I'll be 60 years old in a few weeks. And I'm so glad I made it to 60 episodes and 60 years. Both are good. So you probably noticed I haven't had any real life coaching on for a few episodes, and that's mostly because instead of doing my usual sessions of free coaching for the podcast, I've been working with a small group of about nine awesome women going through the first draft of my Midlife Purpose Project course together so that I can improve it before I finish it. I've learned so much from them. This was just a valuable experience for me because they helped me see some things I hadn't noticed yet. And there were these five themes that I picked up on in varying ways from this group of women. And I can see that these are normal and common ways that women are thinking and feeling at this midlife stage when they're wondering what they want to do with their life now, that would feel meaningful and exciting. So we could kind of summarize them into these thoughts and feelings that they're having. One is that I've done it all wrong. Another one is I'm not needed. A third one is I don't know how to do this. Fourth one is I don't like doing what I'm good at. That was a really interesting one. And the final one was I should want to do something altruistic. I wonder which of those comes up for you, or maybe you have some version of all of them. Today, we're going to talk about that last one, that thought that we should want to do something altruistic. And what that means is, okay, now here we are in midlife with a little more discretionary time than we used to have, and we're searching for something to do with our life that feels interesting and exciting, meaningful and important. But then there's this voice in our conscience that keeps poking us with the thought, and you need to do something that rises to save the world's status, some kind of humanitarian work or social cause that is all about making the world a better place. And in our little test group for this course, we started calling this purpose guilt. In fact, I give my sister-in-law, Susie, full credit for this concept, She shared a perfect example of what purpose guilt looks like. Susie is a gifted floral event designer, and I mean, she spent years creating these dreamy storybook weddings for lucky brides and grooms. In fact, my own daughters benefited from her beautiful gift at their weddings. 
Now she's at this stage in her life reconsidering what she wants to do. Her life is in transition because her youngest child just left for college. And in the last year, they also moved all the way across the country. So now she's thinking about taking her gift for making beautiful weddings and shifting into a different direction into interior design. She's already done some of that work and she really loves it. In fact, she walked around our home and she gave Mike and I some awesome ideas for when we remodel our home. So it came up in our purpose workshop that part of her is struggling to justify interior design as worthwhile work. And she felt like a lot of the talk going on about living a meaningful, purposeful life makes her feel guilty, like she should be doing something altruistic and noble, like building schools in Mexico or tutoring at-risk kids so they can get into college. This is something that's been coming up for her for a long time, and she wasn't the only one in our group who felt like that. So I'm sure that there are many people feeling the same way. Because when there are homeless people in the world, how do we justify helping people who have homes spend more resources and money to make their homes beautiful? So you might have developed some purpose guilt, because even though, of course, you care about big world problems like hunger and clean water and refugees and human trafficking, but that's not what you actually want to do with your time. Maybe you love quilting or luxury travel or writing fantasy fiction, and something in your mind is judging your desire as self-centered, frivolous, insignificant, or unworthy. It reminds me of the other day, I cut up some celery to snack on because I love celery, and I offered some to my husband, Mike. He's never liked celery, but lately I had shared with him that some people say celery can help ease the pain of arthritis. So he looked at the celery and he hesitated and he said, um, I want to want it, but really I just don't want any thanks anyway. When we get caught up in purpose guilt, it's like we think we should want to do that noble humanitarian cause, but it just doesn't sound exciting or interesting in any way. And we just feel deflated thinking that we should do it. So I hope that I can clear up that self-judgment and open the way to making your true desires your most fulfilling purpose. Because purpose guilt comes from judging our desires of what we really want to do within a very narrow definition of what a purpose should be. And this narrow definition says that purpose should solve a big humanitarian or social problem. It should help people who are at risk in great need or really suffering in some way. It should be volunteer work and it should provide help to people in need for free. It's awesome that so many people do love this kind of work, so for sure I want to honor that. And if you feel drawn to that kind of mission, it's just so needed, and you can find so much fulfillment in that. But how did we get from honoring that good work to discrediting other kinds of meaningful activity? Let's sort this out and start to see that there is a huge spectrum of valuable work to do, and we can honor and approve of all of it. And as we reimagine what we want to be doing now, we can consider all of it and not limit our options. How could it be true that a meaningful purpose does not have to be a humanitarian cause that saves lives or ends suffering, that it does not have to be volunteer work, and it does not have to provide free help? 
It's interesting to look at the criteria that seems to qualify a work as worthy. And I'm defining the word work as any intentional action that gets something done, not just strictly paid employment. So purpose worthiness seems to be tied up with impact, like some kinds of outcomes get approval, like I've mentioned, work that saves lives or ends suffering, the charitable social cause kind of thing. And also money is wrapped up in there. Like if there's an exchange of money, many people feel like the work is tainted, that then the provider is only in it for themselves. That's why nonprofits enjoy a public perception that they do good and they help people in a totally unselfish way. I will say that after more than 10 years involved with nonprofits, that most people don't really understand how nonprofits work and what keeps them able to keep serving people, not the least of which is money. When there's no money, there's no mission. So that's all just interesting to notice, right? And then I realized another source where some of this guilt might be coming from. For those of us who belong to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, there's this often quoted scripture from the Doctrine and Covenants. Do you know where I'm going? It's the one about being anxiously engaged in a good cause. Am I right? The whole scripture is in Doctrine and Covenants, section 58, verse 27. Verily I say, men should be anxiously engaged in a good cause and do many things of their own free will and bring to pass much righteousness. For the power is in them wherein they are agents unto themselves. Well, first of all, there's that unfortunate choice of words using anxiously, anxiously engaged, because now anxiety is such a widespread modern day misery. That word didn't have the same charge back in the early 1800s like it does now. So feel free to update that thought to something that you like better. It could be enthusiastically engaged, meaningfully engaged, or happily engaged in a good cause. Well, we've been reminded of that scripture probably hundreds of times. So when you hear that, what do you think qualifies as a good cause? If we don't examine that very closely, our mind may decide for us what qualifies as a good cause and what is a righteous cause, and it will probably go right back into the saving lives and alleviating suffering box. But notice that right in the scripture, it reminds us that we're expected to use our free will and to be agents making our own choices. I offer that we have full permission to decide what a good cause is for us. We've probably picked up all kinds of things like this from our culture and from the people around us that have developed an internal judgment of what a worthy cause looks like, leading to purpose guilt. I really think we're creating this in our own minds with our own thoughts, based on the approval we see given to others who do that kind of work, right? Like Mother Teresa is everyone's favorite heroine. She's always on the most admired women in the world's list. We see news stories or social media posts or hear a speaker talk about that kind of humanitarian work, going to Africa or donating wheelchairs or sewing quilts for refugees. And it's our own brain that latches on and says, hey, that seems to be getting lots of love and appreciation. You should be doing that. 
And really, it's our self-judgment that's getting in the way, not other people's approval. Because I think if we're really honest, I bet no one has ever said to you personally, hey, you should be sheltering the homeless instead of designing homes. Or you should be gathering books for at-risk children instead of writing a historical romance novel. Or you should be feeding refugees instead of growing produce for local farm-to-table restaurants. This is good news because if most of the judgment is self-judgment coming from our own thoughts, then we have total control over changing them. So let's go. Let's start by thinking of some of the things you want to do that don't meet the humanitarian label. Like Susie's desire to do interior design, how about doing saltwater aquariums or origami? How about drone photography, playing cello, fly fishing, or retirement investing? Do you love bullet journaling or writing poetry or canoeing or organizing garages? How about making photo books or comedy? Please, we need some great midlife women comedians we can relate to. I'm kind of done with always listening to men. Okay, keep that thing in mind. And let's see how it can become a fulfilling purpose. I think a purpose does need to have three elements. And the first one is personal growth. It's more than finding something to occupy your time. We each have a divinely created drive to grow, to become something even more, to see what is possible for us. So the first element of a meaningful purpose is to experience growth through self-discovery, self-expression, and even self-discipline. So take a moment. How could doing that thing that you're thinking about be a catalyst for personal growth? I know for sure that anything productive and constructive can be. So check, it meets the first requirement. The second element is helping others by solving a problem or meeting a need. It will involve helping anyone else in some way. It could be one person or many people. It can also be other creatures such as animals or creations like the earth. It's an opportunity to get outside ourselves, to have a focus beyond ourselves and make a significant contribution. When we're contributing to the greater good by helping others solve a problem or meet a need, that's what elevates a purposeful work beyond just a hobby or a personal project or a job that you don't care about. Studies show over and over that the element of helping others is at the core of fulfillment and happiness. For example, let's go back to Susie. Let's imagine she opens an interior design business and works with clients on their homes. How is she solving a problem? How is she meeting a need? Our homes are where we build relationships and memories, where we retreat to recharge, where we seek spiritual inspiration and self-reflection. Helping people create a space where they feel secure and peaceful, where they love to invite people, where they look forward to being home, that just levels up their quality of life. A beautiful, comfortable, serene surrounding influences how people experience life. So even though it's not essential for staying alive, interior design meets an important need for some people. 
and easing the stress for someone who wants to fix up their home but doesn't have the time or inclination to do it themselves solves a big problem for them. How wonderful that there are people who know how to do that if we want help. How cool would it be to be the designer who can come in and reassure the homeowners, relax, I'm here to help and you're going to love it. So you can find a way to use any interest you have to bring more love and light into the world. The third element of living a meaningful purpose is that you care deeply about it. Our inherently unique experiences and personalities and even divine guidance lead us to be drawn to particular interests. Those things matter to us. We can even feel that tingle of awe and excitement when we think about getting involved in it. Is that how you feel thinking about what you want to do? I know that Susie has found that she just keeps being drawn back to interior design, even though she's done a lot of thinking about what else might be the right thing. When you care, there's power in it. So let's take a deep breath. How are you feeling about what you want to do? Are you feeling more at ease? Are you starting to see that you can offer something meaningful to the world in your own way, doing what you love to do? I hope that purpose guilt is dissolving and you're letting go of any self-judgment about what you should be wanting to do. Remember, not everyone likes celery. People have many, many needs to fill. We talk about needy people as if they are just the group at the bottom of the socioeconomic status, but truly all of us are needy. We are needy for different things at different levels. Just think in your own life, what problem do you have that you wish someone trustworthy, capable, and sympathetic would sweep in and take care of for you? Where's your Mary Poppins? You can find fulfillment in meeting those needs for others. I want to be clear that your purpose or mission doesn't have to be volunteer to be valuable. Many services and products that we pay for are life-changing and desperately needed. In fact, every business helps people by filling a need. And helping in that way can be a passion if we care enough about it. So call many worries you have about your purpose being tainted by money. Money makes solutions and resources available to the people who want them. And in the right hands, money is power to accomplish good. So your ideas can be profit generating and life changing too, if that's where you want to go. So what fun, exciting, and creative ways will you come up with to meet needs in the world? You get to decide what's important and significant. Imagine if everyone was busy giving their gift to the world, we would have such an interesting, beautiful, and whole world. So whether you're drawn to tutoring at-risk kids or interior design, let go of that purpose skill and make it your way of creating more light and love in the world. Be peaceful, be powerful, and love your radiant heart. Do you have a friend who's trying to figure out what to do with their life? I would love it if you'd share this episode with them. Let's spread the word and end purpose guilt. And keep in mind that I do one-on-one coaching to help women in midlife decide what they want to do now and how to clear anything that's in their way. 
And you can get in touch with me at Vana at midlifeconfidencecoach.com. And that is in the show notes. Take care until next time. 